0: The joy that we have in what Christ accomplishes through our suffering for his name, the things that as believers, as Christ followers, that he accomplishes through us, create so much joy that it would crush the best feeling that you have ever had in anything you have ever done, not walking with Christ our King. Period.
1: Period. As we begin our study, we've seen in 1 Thessalonians 3 that Paul was so thankful that the church had stood strong in their faith, even through a lot of suffering. Here's Pastor David.
0: But what if, let's think about this, what if Paul had taught a different gospel? What if he had taught them a different gospel? What if he had sold Jesus? In a different way. Remember those different kinds of football players? Well, the real Christ follower is the one that gets knocked down and gets back up. It gets, gets, gets knocked down and gets back up and gets knocked down and gets back up, always in the power of the Holy Spirit. That never stops. Right? That's the real Christ follower. But what if Paul had taught them that Christ followers are the ones knocking everybody down? That Christ followers were going to be winners. That they were going to win according to the world's definition. They were going to get the stuff that they wanted. It was going to be happy. What if he promised that it meant happiness and health and money and butterflies and lollipops and rainbows and unicorns? What if he had promised that to them? Which you and I know is something that some people are promising about Jesus. What if he had done that? Then then what would have happened to the Thessalonian church when persecution and suffering came? when they realize that they don't all get to be healed of every disease that comes, when they realize that there's still difficulties, that their kids still do really dumb things that hurt, that they still do dumb things that hurt, that there are still natural disasters and difficulties and and relational problems and all those kinds of things that still exist because we still live in a fallen world. What happens when you promise lollipops and unicorns and what they get is suffering? What would have happened to their faith in Christ? Well, they would have fallen away. Right? Of course they would have. They would have been told a lie. And as soon as they had realized they had been duped, they would have dropped their faith in Christ. Because it wouldn't have been real faith in Christ. It would have been built on a false gospel that Jesus was giving you something. And when persecution and suffering came, when it really cost them something to follow Christ, they would have fallen away. This is the danger that every Christian faces. And I want you to think about this because this isn't just about Some people out there who believe some gospel, this is about you and me. This is about our heart. Every Christian faces this difficulty when they've bought into, even in a small way, when they've bought into the idea that Christians are earthly winners, that we get to get what we want right now, that part of following Jesus is about getting stuff. When we believe that, what my aunt used to call bullpucky, That's bullpucky. I'm not sure if that's a bad word. I don't know what that means. But a lot of us have bought into it at least at some level. Even those of us who think we haven't, we've bought into it at least at some level. See, because here's the thing. Suffering is coming. You've already experienced it. You're going to continue to experience it. And if God is a quid pro quo deal for you, something for something, what's going to happen when your quid doesn't pro quo? right? What's going to happen when you had an expectation of what it meant to follow Jesus, and it doesn't come through, and instead you get suffering or difficulty, or you got to climb that mountain, or you got to go through that valley of the shadow of death, or whatever it is, but you are quid pro-quoing with God. If I follow you, I'm going to give my tithe, maybe something. I'm going to give something. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to listen to the fish. I don't know, whatever it is that's in your mind that you're checking boxes because you think that this equals this, when this doesn't come, where are you at? How tested is your faith when difficulty comes? What if it doesn't work out the way you think it will? Have you faced that question? For those of you who have suffered terribly, and a lot of you have, and you've remained faithful, you've Figured that out. You know the answer to that question. But you also know the temptations that riddled your suffering mind at the time that you were going through it. Right? Let's not pretend like we don't have those thoughts like, does God really care? I thought God loved me. Why am I suffering with this when I follow him? Listen to the psalmist. How long, O Lord... My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. See, if you never believed that following Christ was about getting all you want now, according to the things that the world says are important, if you never believed that, then having faith and trust when the tough times come was going to be easier. It was going to be easier to remain strong if you never bought into a quid pro quo. How many people do you know that have left the faith or at least left the church because they've had suffering in their life? Ask yourself, what did they believe about what it meant to follow Christ? They believe what the psalmist believed? I am in pain. Remember, he doesn't all of a sudden get out of pain as he's writing the psalm at the end. He's still in pain. He's still saying, I feel like I'm going to die. If you don't help me now, I don't know what's going to happen. But I trust you. Not just do I trust you. Not just do I trust you, but I'm going to rejoice. My heart will rejoice in what? In your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord? Listen to this person. They're in pain. But they're going to sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me doesn't sound like he feels very bountiful, but the trust is there because it was never about what God is going to do for me right here, right now, in some way, making me rich, making me popular, making me famous. It was about getting Jesus. It wasn't about getting that stuff. It was about God. This is the song of a person who is suffering and struggling but maintains his trust in the Lord. Jesus told us, as we already studied, that the world hated him and will hate us. But we want honor among our peers, right? Don't we? We want honor among our peers. We want to be highly thought of. We want to be popular. Who doesn't want to be popular, right? Have you seen how many people want to be on reality TV? Right? You all are laughing. You're like, but I did send in my survivor tape. <laughs> I'm working on that audition for The Voice or whatever, right? Right? People want to be famous. People want to be popular. People want to be highly thought of. They want the praise of the world. It's something that they desire. But for the believer, and listen close, for the Christ follower, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. You are not going to get long-term praise and adulation from those who are in the world who don't follow Christ. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, though. Listen, in Romans 2, we, we hear that the law is written on the heart. So people know truly what is right and wrong. And if you do good, you're honorable in the way that you treat others, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you will have respect. People will see that. And you may even get some honor. Or better yet, God will get some honor for your behavior. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, okay? So I'm not saying nobody's going to like you. Everybody hates you. Guess I'll go eat worms. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that suffering is 100% or constant or you'll never do anything but suffer. That's not the point of this message. It's not the point of what Paul was saying to the Thessalonians. In fact, joy abounded, but suffering was going to come, Right? generally seeking the, appra- the, the approval and the praise and the honor of the world is not going to be a very fruitful exercise for the believer and the Christ follower. It's Just not. As long as we are in this fallen world, there are going to be people who are going to hate you and despise you and persecute you if you truly follow Christ. Listen, this is important, and this is something that kind of has to hit us in the face a little bit. If you fit in really well, in the world, in the world system, you don't fit in well in the kingdom. If you fit in really well, you just never come up against anything. In the world system, you're not fitting into the kingdom because it's not of this world. And so if nobody ever thinks anything about you, about, your, about what you say, about what you live for, that's a problem. I'm not saying that everyone should hate you, by the way. Please, please, please do not interpret it that way. I'm going to have the most unlikable people come up to me and tell me they're the godliest people, right? They're going to be like, hey, listen, everybody hates me. I must be a super Christian. I'm like, no, you're a jerk. Completely, (laughs) completely different thing, right? I'm simply saying that there are those who will hate you. Not that everybody will hate you. And those that hate you won't hate you because of you. They'll hate you because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and they hate him. They hate him because they know what their life is leading to. And they don't like the judgment that comes with that. I don't like it for them either. That's why we still love them, because we want to see them know him. Now listen to what the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write to a church just up the road in Macedonia from Thessalonica. This is a church at Philippi. And he's telling them something really similar to what he's saying to the Thessalonians. He says this, "'Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, "'so that whether I come and see you or am absent, "'I may hear of your affairs, "'that you stand fast in one spirit, "'with one mind, "'striving together for the faith of the gospel, "'and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, "'which is to them a proof of perdition.'" but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ. Listen, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Paul is once again doing a couple of things. He's checking on the steadfastness of the Philippian church, right? Whether I'm there or I'm not, that I want to hear that you're standing fast. That you aren't faltering because I want you to understand something that when you've been called to believe on Jesus, when you've been called to follow Jesus, you've also been called to suffer for his namesake. Something that is true. Welcome to church. Some of you may be thinking, I didn't know all this suffering was part of the deal. Now you are in here telling me I'm going to suffer. Not very pleasant. For those who are thinking that or starting to get a little depressed about the life of following Christ, two things I want to share. First of all, uh, it is suffering. It is suffering. There will be suffering as a Christ follower. It's true. And for me to tell you something different is to lie to you. And I love you too much to do that. It's not loving to lie to you. But number two, and listen closely to this one. The joy that we have, the joy that so much, so much more powerful Than happiness, joy just that wells up from inside of us. The joy that we have in what Christ accomplishes through our suffering for his name. The things that as believers, as Christ followers, that he accomplishes through us create so much joy that it would crush the best feeling that you have ever had in anything you have ever done, not walking with Christ our king. Period. There's suffering, but the joy that is born out of that suffering is so much greater and more beautiful than anything that you've ever experienced if you're not a Christ follower. I can tell you that unequivocally, having been on both sides of that coin. Do you even understand the joy that we have when a person finds real life in Jesus Christ? Do you even understand? Do you understand what hours of prayer and crying and suffering as we think about our child or our mother or our friend or whoever it is that we want to know Christ and we see their life and it's a disaster and it's a gong show and it's all over the place and we're telling them, look, Jesus loves you and they're like, nah. And we're sad and we we have to deal with it. Our kids just going through stuff and we're praying and we're suffering and we're crying. And then when God comes and saves that person, Through the suffering, through the things that we've done in suffering for them, do you have any idea how joyful that day is? When that person that we've poured out our lives for comes to know Jesus and gets life in him? When you're, for you ladies who have had children, my experience of that is that it looks quite painful. Haven't had to have the whole push. Thing happened here. <sighs> Very glad for that. <laughs> joy. Inexpressible. But you know what? All that pain, and, and with our children there, Corey was easier than Ethan. Um, he was difficult. We still are mad at him. But <laughs> but you know what? When that child comes out, it's not a thought of the pain, it's just joy. Just joy. Our suffering for the things that God brings through our suffering, the feeling that you have when God does things and you can look back on your suffering and see that it wasn't in vain, see what he's done for his kingdom, and see people who you love have life, eternal life in him, go from death, spiritual death to life. You just don't know what that's like. It's like heaven. That's what it's like because that's what heaven will be like life life joy joy our suffering is just for a moment how long do we live right average of like 80 years or something some of you have beat that by a ways already but we can expect about 80 something like that what is that compared to eternity i'm not a math major it's not much it's a breath It's a breath. It's a moment. Our suffering is for a moment. Listen, it's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. This is chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. If you know anything about Paul's story, beaten however many times, shipwrecked how many times, basically stoned to death, right? I mean, just bad, right? You think you have like that tennis elbow? This guy was like broken. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Those are powerful words. Weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Think about this even from a non-Christian mindset. What are the most important things? The things you can see or the things that you can't see? What's more important, your car or the love of your mother? One you can't see, one you can. Hopefully most of you are saying the love of your mother. I know some of you have nice cars, but what's more important, justice or a new Apple computer? It's easy to see that we care about the things that are unseen. Even the unbeliever cares about the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. And when we say, listen, this suffering, this light affliction for maybe 80 years is building up for you this exceeding weight of glory for eternity you got to understand that. you got to lean into that. you got to press into that. you got to understand what that's about because that is the real deal.
1: Powerful truth today, and there's more next time in part three, so I hope you'll join us. And remember, if this kind of practical, no-nonsense Bible teaching is something you'd like more of, let me invite you to come here, Pastor David, at Acts Church we're real easy to find in Vancouver, Washington, and directions, service times, and all the info you need, are just a click away at actschurchnw.org, or give us a call at 360-885-9000. Hope to see you this Sunday. Well, that's it for today, and be sure and check out part three of this great study here on Contemplate.